Are you interested in apologetics but don't have the time and resources to go to seminary or Bible college? Do you often feel that apologetic materials are academic, weighty, and difficult to comprehend? If that describes you, then the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, Bridging the Ivory Tower to the Everyday Christian, is for you. My driving force in writing this first book of mine is both a passion for apologetics and compassion for the laity of the church. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics engages a broad swath of apologetic material, but does so in a way that everyone can relate by the inclusion of personal stories, anecdotes, and down-home humor. So whether you desire training in apologetics or whether you want a one-stop resource, be sure to pick up your copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. Stay tuned for further information concerning the release of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics by logging on to bellatorchristi.com or by listening to the Bellator Christi podcast. We'll have more information as it becomes available. Stay tuned for the release of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, coming to bookstores everywhere very soon. On today's edition of the Bellator Christie podcast, we are joined by Dr. John Diamond, author of An Appeal to Heaven, A Cry for Justice. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, while taking truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host, yours truly, Brian Chilton, for the time we have together, and we thank you for joining us today. I want to remind you that uh, the Bellator Christie Podcast is found on several different apps. We encourage you to go and uh, subscribe uh, to the podcast. And while you're there, we just ask that you leave a uh, positive review that will help other people uh, find the podcast. And while you're there, we also encourage you to uh, go over to bellatorchristie.com. The website has actually been revamped a little uh, since the last last time I was with you on the air. So we encourage you to go check that out and hit subscribe. And by doing so, you'll receive all the articles and the links to the podcast as soon as they become available. Well, we are blessed today uh, with having a special guest with us, and we have with us Dr. John Diamond. Uh, Dr. Diamond is the founder and director of Peacemakers Outreach. He holds a master's in theology and a doctorate in Christian education. In January 2013, he created the first American Citizenship School, which led to the forming of the American Christian Leadership Alliance, otherwise known as the ACLA. In 2008, he had a brief run for the U.S. House of Representatives in Ohio's 15th District. Uh, He has served as the Director of Discipleship at Bible Community Church in Columbus, Ohio, and is presently serving as an outreach minister with the Cory Alliance Church in Cory, Pennsylvania. 
He is a veteran of the United States Air Force and has served as Union Steward for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Works, Local 1466. And he's also written a book that we want to discuss today, An Appeal to Heaven, A Cry for Divine Justice. So we welcome with us today Dr. John Diamond. Uh, John, thank you so much for being with us on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Hey, brother, it's an absolute pleasure to, uh, to be fellowshipping with you and your listeners, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Well, if you don't mind, sir, as we begin and as we ask uh, all of our first-time guests, uh, would you mind sharing a, a brief uh, testimony about how you came to know the Lord? <clears throat> yeah, I was raised uh, raised in Columbus, Ohio. Um, me and my uh, younger brother were both raised Catholic. Um, I went into the uh, United States Air Force at the age of 18, right after high school, six days after high school. Um, spent eight years in the military, wasn't wasn't saved, didn't know Christ, um, got into a lot of destructive behavior. By the time I got out at 25, I was pretty much a full-blown alcoholic. My brother, in, in the meantime, younger um, when I got out of the Air Force, he kind of invited a Baptist church that they were attending, and I kind of kind of ignored it for about a year until I realized you know, my life wasn't going the way that, that I was hoping it would go, and maybe there was something I was missing. So I decided to go one one Sunday morning to a church there with him and his family and heard the gospel for the first time and accepted Christ there about age 27. And God miraculously delivered me from drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and just a whole number of things. And a year later, I was in Bible college, and 15 years later, here I, here I stand. Amen. Amen. Now, you, we were mentioning before the podcast about a conference coming up uh, for our listeners in around uh, the Pennsylvania area, uh, the Faith and Freedom Conference at Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, September 28th, 2019. What can you tell us about this conference coming up? Uh, th- this conference is bringing in probably some of the most uh, Christ-centered American patriots you know, across this nation. These These men and women are people that I have actually... Um, spoke with uh, at conferences for really some of them up up to about 15 years. Um, so I know them all quite well. There's some great Christian historians coming. Um, there's some coming. And, and that's really what we, when I put this thing together, that, that's really what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be educational. I wanted to how our family understood that. Do not know that because our elementary and you know secondary schools have basically been so secular. Reeducate the American people on the type of Judeo-Christian uh, constitutional republic that we were created as. Then, okay, what's the solution? And that's kind of where my appeal to heaven book comes in. And then we also have some very in- inspirational speakers, uh, especially Coach Dave Dobbemeyer and uh, Bradley Dean, two guys that if if they don't get you on fire, you're your wood because it's it's pretty wet so hopefully uh <laughs> hopefully this is the beginning of some uh hopefully this is the beginning of something that we're hoping to really take across the nation because you know we're, we're never going to see revival when we just stay in the four walls of the church we're going to have to take his message out and really confront the darkness so yeah be praying for that this is kind of just the prototype or the first first conference that we're going to try to do and if it's successful we're going to try to take this across the nation 
Amen. Unfortunately, uh, my connection is breaking up just a little bit, but it's, it's getting better as we go along. So hopefully, hopefully we'll uh, that that'll correct itself as we, as we go through our podcast today. I guess talking about the darkness, the devil trying to fight us <laughs> as we talk about these things. Absolutely. So um, in your book, uh, you talk about a divine chain of command. Uh, could you explain to our listeners what the divine chain of command is? Well, that's the first. That's really the first thing that we have to deal with before we even understand when I when I say an appeal to heaven and what an appeal to heaven is, is one of the. And I've been doing this for about fifteen years. And, and when I when I go and I talk to pastors about you know why they won't engage themselves in the culture and the society, um, and especially the government, I you know I ask them you know why they won't. And one of the biggest lies that I get is kind of from Romans thirteen, and it's really just a misinterpretation of scripture. Uh, where it talks about let every soul be subject to the higher authority for there is no authority but of God. And the way I see that in, interpreted, and it's and it's been interpreted that way ever since, you know, the, the king of England and his, and his religious theology uh, talked about the divine right of kings, that God put government in its place and that we need to obey the, obey the government. But if you, if you very clearly look at that scripture, it doesn't say, you know, citizens obey your government. It says, let everybody obey God, let every soul including the king, the president, United States Supreme Court, anybody. Let everybody submit to God. So what this does, and I've got a video um, already created on a on our website, teachamericanism.org, where, where it shows that chain of command. And that government and citizens. When when the government's following God and under his laws, then as Christians and citizens, we should obey the government. Well, the, the problem has been throughout history is what happens when when government rejects God um, and then that's that's where the that's where the believer is kind of put into a no-win situation that I either have to obey the government or I have to obey God. You know, we can see this with Daniel. We can see it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We can see it with the early church. We can see it with the Hebrew midwives who were told to slaughter the Hebrew children. When they were put in that no-win situation, they always understood the highest authority is God, and that's ultimately who we have to obey. And that's what the apostle said. We must obey God rather than man. Well, amen, because it seems like, you know, there are times, especially when laws contradict the law of God, where a believer is going to have to make a decision about who the ultimate authority of their lives is. And, and, and that brings a, a difficult decision uh, that must must take place with some people. But I think as we've been going through the book of Revelation, we, we see that ultimately the kingdom of God is the one that's, that's going, to, going to remain. Without a doubt, and we and we throw over, you know, we kind of throw around the title, you know, Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and and uh, and I think we just it, it's kind of just some abstract concept that we're not really applying to our life today. We're not, you know, we talk about Christ as Savior, we talk about Him as Sanctifier and Healer and many of these other things, but we don't necessarily talk about Him as King, as as really the chief government administrator, and that's that's what King of Kings means. He's that He rules over every king. Um, he's the king of presidents. He's the king of Supreme Court justices. He he outranks, and that's really what Romans 13 is talking about. He basically outranks everybody, and everybody needs to submit to his authority. And when nations do that, they're blessed. And when nations reject that, then they, then they bring a curse upon themselves. And you can even see that with his own people, Israel. I mean, how many times did they do that just through the book of Judges? Amen. Amen. So, so what what do you mean when you say, or what is? I guess we should rather ask, what is an appeal to heaven? Well, kind of building off of the the foundation of the Romans thirteen, first understanding understanding you know 
that chain of command exists. Here's one of the things that, that I'll typically talk to people, especially if someone's like, um, you know, a, a pro-life. And I'll ask them, I'll say, you know, why do we have abortion, for example? And they're like, well, because of Roe v. Wade. And I'd say, well, why didn't we appeal that decision? And, and they kind of look at you like, wait a minute, the Supreme Court's the highest court in the land. Who are we going to appeal this to? Well, when you understand Romans 13, that there's somebody that outranks the Supreme Court, there's somebody that outranks the president, there's someone that outranks the Congress, then you understand that there is one more court that you know, and that's the judgment seat of Christ. That's the, the divine, you know, we forgot that Christ is king, lawgiver, and judge. Those are three government hats that Christ wears. He's not just savior. He's not just sanctifier. He's the chief government administrator. He outranks that. So when we have when we have government who rebels against God, what we can do is we can appeal above government's head. It, that's what prayer is. Prayer is just not somebody coming and you know begging for scraps at a table. An appeal or a petition is is like when you petition the court. If there's an injustice going on, that's what the parable of the persistent widow is about. When there's when there's an injustice going on, you can go and you can bring a petition to the to the court, and 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 we have a heavenly supreme court that we can bring these petitions to. So when your government rebels against God, when they're out of control, then we still have one more place that we can go to, and that's that's what our founding fathers understood because America's first flag, and that's what I got on the cover of my book, is the appeal to heaven flag. They realized that they didn't have to just submit to the laws of the king, that there was a king of kings. There was a king that outranked them. So they began flying that appeal to heaven flag, and they even put it in the Declaration of Independence. It says, we're appealing to the supreme judge of the universe for the righteousness of our intentions. Just have to stop with government and hope that they they got straight. You know, they, there was an appeals process, just like we have in this nation. If you get a bad court ruling, you can, you can appeal it to the next highest court. Well, the Christian church has lost sight that there is one more level that we have not been that we have not been using, and that's heaven. So that's what we need, need to do. If we want to end abortion, if we want to end separation of church and state, if we want to be, uh, you know, uh, end really everything that's happened since the early 1960s, we need to get back to that foundational principle that there is a king that outranks everybody else. We can come to him just like Jesus said in Luke uh, 18 with the parable of the persistent widow. He will avenge us if we just call upon him. Amen. Amen. So how has the how has this been used throughout history? Well, the prototype, and I've got an I got an, a really kind of an entire couple chapters on this. Um, but the prototype was with the children of Israel, because when remember if you remember the story correctly, the 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 children of Israel were invited into into Egypt. You know when Joseph was in captivity, and he basically became second in command out there, and. Uh, they invited him and the whole family, all 70 of them, into Egypt. And then the, another king came along and basically enslaved the, the Hebrews. And, and what ended up happening was incrementally they kept, you know, tightening the burdens on them until they really understood that they were being enslaved. And what does it say they do? It said that they cried out to God. And then when they appealed to heaven, when they appealed over the head of Pharaoh, then God heard their cries, told Moses, hey, I've heard the cries of my people. They've been appealing to heaven. Now go there, go there and confront Pharaoh, tell him what he is doing is illegal and that he needs to let the people go. So that was the very, very first time that this principle really was used as the Exodus story is the prototype that we could all go off of. And then when you read the writings of the founding fathers, I mean, they understood this very clearly. A matter of fact, the very first seal that was created or Franklin Thomas Jefferson, and I believe John Adams was actually a picture of 
of uh, the children of Israel crossing, crossing, you know, the the Red Sea, and that's what they liken their fight to. They they saw themselves as God's people who were being enslaved, you know, by a government. So that's that was really the whole foundation and the spiritual motivation behind the the, the American Revolution, the Declaration of Independence, and everything else. Amen. Amen. And I like especially that illustration you use of Moses, you know, uh, going before Pharaoh as, as commanded by God. And then ultimately he appeals to the highest authority, and that is God. And God, well, he, he, lets the, he ends up letting the people go free <laughs> through some, through some uh, different, different, uh, different means there. But now I noticed in your book you mentioned rebuking oppressors. Um, in this society, it seems like uh, with the advent of social media, it, it's it's difficult for people to understand that individuals can um, can have a, have differing viewpoints, but that, that does not mean that they hate one another or something like that. It, it seems like we have lost the ability of debate in the nation. Uh, so, how do you how do you rebuke oppressors? Uh, what are some ways that you show that we can do so in a winsome fashion, showing them the uh, um, the, the errors that they have been committed and, and how we need to fix those things. Well, and that's where, that's where uh, Romans 13 is essential to understanding pretty much, you know, not only your theology, but the way that you act that theology out. Because, you know, when, when you go, I mean, the very first thing that we should do is, you know, go, go to quote unquote, the oppressors or whoever it is and say, you, you do realize that you're sucking in the chain of command, right? You do realize that there is somebody that outranks you. I mean, a lot of people are just even ignorant of that fact. Um, um, just consider the story of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar kind of gets a bit of a bad rap because of, you know, you know what he did with the three Hebrew men Nebuchadnezzar's life. But the, by the end of his life, I mean, he, he understood the chain of command. He understood. I mean, he had to go out in the field and eat grass for seven years. But by the time he came back, look at his testimony. He said, hey, I come to my, I come to my senses. There's a king in heaven, and he does what he wants when he wants, and everybody just better submit to him. So that, that's one of the first things that we have to make sure even all our government leaders understand. You do realize, according to Romans 13, you have been appointed by God. That's what Romans 13 says, that mm. you have been appointed by God. And if you've been appointed by God, you have to understand that you are second in the chain of command. When, when people are biblically ignorant and they just think power corrupts, and when, and when you just see yourself as a secular government and you don't see anybody above you and you don't recognize anybody in authority above you, you begin to go off track because that's what Amen. the enemy does. I mean, that's what the devil did. I mean, the devil, if you think of that chain of command, even before man was created, you had God, the, the archangels and the angels. And Lucifer, you know, basically rebelled against God. He rebelled against the authority that was above him. And 30, a third of the angels followed him into rebellion um, because he was said, I will be like the most high God. And this is one of the biggest temptations that government leaders fall into is when they don't recognize and submit themselves and humble themselves before the authority that is above them, they, they come over this delusion that, hey, I can do what I want when I want, and I don't answer to anybody. Well, you're going to answer to somebody. And, 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 and unless we as the church and the ministers you know, tell our government officials this, you're going, to re, you're going to answer to somebody for every ruling and every decision that you make. So we, we first have to do that. We have to get back to the understanding that this world is essentially a theocracy. There is a God that rules over all of mankind. Our founding fathers understood that very clearly. We don't have the right to legalize things that he says is illegal. We don't have the right to criminalize things that he says we're supposed to do, like prayer and prayer in school. So just establishing that divine chain of command in Romans 13 and thoroughly understanding that really helps us 
with every step that we need to take. Amen. Amen. And boy, I love that passage of Scripture that says, One day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, boy, I tell you, and, and that goes, and I was just thinking, that goes back to the very the, the very point that you were making, that ultimately God is sovereign and He is the one in control of all things. He is the ultimate government. Without, without a doubt. And, and I even had a pastor come up to me one time because, you know, the, the insight I've been given is on, the relationship between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man and government and, and how delicate that kind of that that is. Well, you know, I told the one one pastor, I said, you realize you cannot even preach the, the, the gospel without preaching about the kingdom of heaven and preaching about the, the divine chain of command and, and preaching. And he's like, well, sure, I can. I said, OK, well, well, go ahead. I said, you know, act like act like I'm not saved. I said, go ahead and try to preach the gospel without preaching the kingdom of God, which is a government that reigns over man. And he said, well, first you have to understand you're a sinner. And I'm like, okay, what's sin? Well, sin is breaking of God's law. So you mean to tell me that there's a lawgiver? And he kind of <laughs> stopped, and I'm like, okay. Now, what if I say I really don't care about this lawgiver, and I don't, I don't care what he has to say? Well, the Bible says that, you know, Christ will send his angels, um, and that we'll be, we'll be gathered up. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking, the king. The king is going to basically <laughs> send his police force in, and you're going to be apprehended. Okay, now what? Well, you're going to be brought before court. I said, so there we have the three functions of government right there, king, lawgiver, and judge. There's a lawgiver who's given his law. Christ is going to call each and every one of us, great and small, rich and poor, and we're all going to stand before the, the judgment seat of Christ. That's an entire government administration, all right? So I don't care if you're the president of the United States, chief Supreme Court justice, or a beggar on the street. Great and small, we're all going to stand before him. And we, we need to get back to that message again because we've kind of abandoned, you know, that whole idea of, you know, not only that there is a lawgiver, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I think that kind of wakes people up a little bit. We've kind of abandoned that over the last 30 years because, you know, well, a lot of hellfire preachers and stuff like that kind of turned some people off. Christ preached on hell more than he talked about heaven. So we, we really need to get back to that understanding. And and what people don't understand is that that you, you talk we talk about love, and obviously God is love, but... But if you love someone, you're going to warn them of pending judgment. If you don't love someone, then you're not going to care what they do. And so one of the most loving things to do is to warn people about the dangers of sin and the dangers of hell. So, you know, yeah, yeah I agree. So anyhow, religious and political fear tactics. You mentioned this in the book. So what are some that you mention uh, in your in your newest book? Well, the... the, the um the, what's called the divine right of kings, and this is this is kind of I mean it, it started clear back with Pharaoh because remember Pharaoh was like who's the Lord that I should obey him? Nebuchadnezzar didn't recognize anybody above him, and he was like yeah I really don't you know care I'm the highest ranking. Um, by the time it got to the Church of England, um, they had what was called a divine right of kings, and it was a misinterpretation of Romans 13 that said citizens you know God put the government in its place, and if you don't obey the government then you're disobeying God. And again, that's not what it says. It says, let everybody obey God. So what the Anglican Church and the Church of England came down with was what they call the divine right of kings, that, hey, you need to obey the government no matter what they say and no matter what they do, um, or, or else you're basically bringing damnation upon yourself. And the, 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 the pilgrims and the separatists, those who kind of broke away from the Anglican Church, you know, understood that very clearly because what the government was doing you know, they were they were based John Bunyan, who wrote clear he would go around and he would preach to people. Well, he didn't have a license. 
You know, he didn't have a license from the Anglican Church. He wasn't endorsed by the Anglican Church. So they threw him in jail for preaching without a license, where Christ told us to go into all the world and preach to everybody. So government doesn't even have that authority. He had to do was restrict Bible studies. You couldn't have a Bible study over any more than four people, you know, where we're told to, to teach and to have these types of meetings. I mean, it was just it was just just a total distortion of Romans 13, um, which really led to the Amer- or to the to the American continent, because all these Christians who didn't buy into this divine right of kings, they understood there was one king, the king of kings and lord of lords. So they all kind of fled to America. And that's what led to our file. Our founding. So don't don't let anybody buy, uh, you know, t- tell you that there's some divine right of kings that, you know, we got to do whatever the government says, because if that's the case, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would have been bound down to a statue. Daniel would have stopped praying when Darius said stop praying. The Hebrew midwives would have slaughtered babies when Pharaoh commanded them to. And the early church would have qu- quit preaching Christ because they were beaten and told not to preach the name of Christ anymore. So, you know, there, there's a divine right of kings, but it only goes up to the king of kings. What did he say? When I was in the military and I was in the Air Force, I would have a sergeant tell me to do one thing and a, and a general tell me to do another. Guess which one I obeyed? I obeyed the general because he outranked the sergeant. So when you understand government and the proper chain of command in government, you know, somebody above you tells you to do something, man, if it's contrary to what God has said to do, you better just obey that higher authority because it's ultimately to him you're going to stand. Amen. Amen. I, I love that illustration that you just made. Uh, that you just presented about the general and the other and the other officer that that the highest ranking one you listen to, and then if we if we believe that God is the highest ranking authority, then obviously he is above the general, you know, even so to speak. And so, um, you know, and I also it, it made me think because, like I said, we're doing a Bible study through the Book of Revelation, and it just dawned on me as you were mentioning these things that we also see the same thing in Revelation. The Revelation is warning us. That uh, you know, there's going to be tough times are coming, uh, but the ultimate authority, which is God, who reigns supreme, he he is going to take care of all things, and he's going to be the ultimate authority. And it warns us, even like you think of the mark of the beast, uh, things of this nature, that uh, you know, not to partake in these type of things. And you see almost this illustration of of the. The kingdom of God and the in the kingdom of the world, which is known as Babylon, and and so it's it's very interesting that even Revelation uh, is is going along with some of the things you're mentioning here. Yeah, I mean, if you subscribe to that whole divine right of kings, and we got to do what the government says to do, well, that means you know when the Antichrist runs that rises to power, we have to submit to him, and if he tells us to get the mark, we have to get the mark. Well, it's very clear what happens to those who get the mark. So right, so, you know, we 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 can't. I mean, this is from Genesis to Revelation. This whole this whole understanding of the uh, of the unit, what I call the universal chain of command, um, that there is somebody that outranks even the highest levels of government. So you know we can't we, we can't be afraid is, is kind of really the biggest thing. You know we need that we need to adopt um, the way the Hebrew children did when they were commanded to, to to worship the statue. They were like, look, Almighty God will deliver us, and if He does not, then you know we're still not going <laughs> to obey you. So, I mean, that, that's what we're really going to come down to. The book of Daniel is kind of prophetic about what's going to be happening, you know, in the end times. Because we're going to be, you know, I mean, if you look at what, what the Antichrist is going to do and you look at what Nebuchadnezzar did, they're basically the same thing. And Christians Amen. are going to be put into that no-win situation. We're either going to have to get the mark of the beast, worship, you know, worship the, the Antichrist, or possibly, you know, face martyrdom. But that's, that's the thing that we have to be just set in our minds long beforehand. You know, we're not we're not worshiping your God. We're not worshiping your statue. And, you know, either God will deliver us or he won't. But we're, we're, we're still going to obey God over man. 
And, and that's one of the things I think that stands out in the book of Revelation is that, you know, with apocalyptic literature like that, it's actually encouraging because it lets us know that, yeah, we're going to have to make that stand. But in the end, even if we give our lives for God, that, that He's going to redeem those who have been martyred and because He is, as you mentioned, the ultimate authority. And uh, a very good point. So uh, the question we also need to ask is, how do we reverse America's downward fall? Well, again, once you get back to understanding, um, and I've got a, really a whole chapter of this in the book about where our rights come from. Our rights come from God. That's what it says. You know, well, I mean, we know it from Scripture, but even they even kind of canonized it, so to speak, in the in the Declaration of Independence, said that our rights come from the Creator. We've all been endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. That means rights that cannot be taken away, even by government. And then it goes on to say that that you know, government's primary responsibility is to protect those rights. That's why governments are instituted among men. Well, when we understand that. You know, our right to pray, our right to teach God's word is, is a God-given right, and government cannot take it away. And from the time the Mayflower landed until the early 1960s, we had that in America. We had the Bible in schools. We had prayer in schools. People understood there was a higher authority, even government officials. But it was when the, when the Supreme Court came down with that separation of church and state and basically began to push the light first out of the schools, and then out of the government, and they basically pushed it. I mean, they don't even want crosses sitting on a, you know, a corner on private land now. They, they have so been so successful in pushing the light and Christianity clear back into the four walls of the church. You know, darkness is the default condition. I, I had a meeting with our a general manager of our radio station here in, uh, up here in Erie, Pennsylvania today, and I said, I mean, if you think about it, because of the fall of man, darkness is the default condition. And if you take the light out of a room, you know, it's not that you turned on a dark switch. You just removed the light. So we've mm -hmm. allowed the light. The church has allowed the light to be pushed back to the four walls of the church. And, we, and if we need to come out of that, we need to come out of the four walls of the church. We need to be speaking in the government. We need to be speaking in the schools, you know, and, and the light will do. I think it was Martin Luther King that said darkness cannot cast out darkness. Only light can do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can't we can't expect the secular world, you know, to deal with the darkness darkness we are the only ones that have the authority the ability the insight to be able to do that so if we would just reverse what happened in the early 60s tell the government that's what the first amendment says congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion that's what they did in the early 60s constitution by prohibiting the free exercise of religion so you know when they said you can't pray in school our response should have been no first amendment doesn't say i can't pray in school it says you can't tell me i can't pray in school <laughs> The First Amendment was created to restrict you from suppressing my religious freedom. And, and if you don't believe that's right, go back and look at what Daniel did when they told him he couldn't pray. He was like, I'm going to pray when I want, where I want, how I want, to who I want, and you have no authority to tell me otherwise. Well, look what happened. That, that, re that, that decision got reversed. We need to reverse that, that just horrible separation of church uh, and state decision. The states need to get God's word back in basically every aspect of American life, and then the light will do what the light was created to do, and that's push the darkness back. Amen. Well, John, we actually uh, it looks like we're about running down on time, and uh, it looks like uh, before we before we cut loose, you have uh, created a video series called Americanism: A Course in Citizen Citizenship and Ethics. Uh, would you would you mind describing what that may be or what that is? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I've been doing this for about 15 years, and I would go to churches and pastors all over, you know, all over across the country, trying to get them to involve themselves civilly and in, in, in the affairs of the government. And 
and really just met with almost indifference. So uh, one day, it was about 10 years later, I was just like, Lord, I'm done. Nobody, you know, the church doesn't want to come out of the four walls. They don't want to involve themselves. And I basically just kind of type of thing. I handed in my patient papers. And the Lord was like, write down every lie you've heard come out of the mouth of a pastor. And I immediately wrote down 10, and it turned into 12. So what we did, we turned these into 12 videos, um, and it's called The 12 Lies. And, and basically what I do is anywhere from like 15 to, to 30 minutes, I just talk about each one of these 12 lies. The very first one, if you go to teachamericanism.org, the very first lie is the Romans 13, and to help people understand what Romans 13 is. And then I just go through every other lie that, that I've heard come out of the mouth of a pastor, because it's these lies that are keeping us within the four walls of the church. And, and, and whether they're lies or whether they're excuses, you know, so, some people just want to use excuses because they don't have the courage to go out and confront the society. Um, other people have just been lied to. So hopefully this lying spirit will be rebuked, so to speak, when people are going, wait a minute, I was told I have to submit to the government. Wait a minute, I was told America wasn't a Christian nation. Wait a minute, I was told, <laughs> you know, and, and when those lies begin to fall apart, that's going to strengthen and embolden the, the church. So we, we've created these. They're free. They're right on our website. Um, we, we've already done, I think, three Got two more already recorded, and we're just we're just letting churches and small groups and Bible studies use these, you know, in in their classes. To, uh, and then hopefully everybody will spread that, and that'll help turn things around. Well, absolutely. Well, John Diamond, we thank you so much for being with us. I want to remind everyone uh, that he has written a book, An Appeal to Heaven, A Cry for Divine Justice, and this is available at uh, this is available at bookstores everywhere. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, matter of fact, um, we self-published it. It was through uh, Amazon. To go to our website, appealingtoheaven.org. That's the quickest way to get it. Um, but Trinity Trinity Broadcasting, the biggest publisher um, really in the world, Christian publisher, just agreed to publish it. So uh, it's going to the publisher probably next Tuesday. Um, and then we're hoping to get really just nationwide coverage of it, hoping to maybe get on the Huckabee Show and, and some other things. But, yeah, TBN agreeing to publish it is a major is a major, uh, really a major endorsement because they don't just publish anything. They're, they're very cautious about what they endorse, um, but they've agreed to publish it. So you can get it right now at appealingtoheaven.org, uh, either on ebook or, or paperback. Um, and then again, it's going to come out through TBN hopefully later at the end of the year. Awesome. Well, John Diamond, thank you for your ministry and thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure having you with us today. Hey, brother, appreciate what you're doing. We need more people out there. Just like I said, we need we need more people getting out there. The, the, the enemy's taking over media, and, and God is waking his church up, and what you're doing is just absolutely powerful. We need to take over the media. We need to take over the airwaves, and we need to get the truth out there because there are way too many lies being, being handed to the American people. Amen. Well, brother, we appreciate you, and for John Diamond, this is Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment.
Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christie Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.